Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm so glad, as always, that you've decided to join us on another another Saturday of August. Boy, it's been hot and dry. I don't know, there were some scattered showers, I believe, this week, but you know, even, even a shower that came through Gainesville didn't quite make it to East Hall County, where my garden is. And that, that's okay, because we got to get take what we get, as I always say. You know, whenever it's raining, I've said this before, but whenever it's raining a lot, I hate to even complain about it raining a lot, because when it doesn't rain for weeks on end, we complain about that. So we'll take what the good Lord gives us, but we can always supplement with some extra moisture if required. Now, last week, if you joined us here on the New Southern Garden, you may recall, I hope you do, that we discussed one of my favorite garden fruits, and that's figs. The fig bush, the fig tree, whatever you want to call it. I like it. I mean, I like figs. They're not my favorite fruit by any means, but they are tasty. They are delicious. But it's really one of my favorite uh, fruits because it's one of the easiest things to grow as far as fruits are concerned. We did talk about a few issues that may arise, particularly uh, some diseases and, and insect troubles, but generally they don't require extra spraying. Uh, if you see a problem, you try to nip it in the bud, but they don't require a consistent schedule of spraying to produce a healthy crop and a healthy plant. You know, if you're growing apples and pears and nectarines, peaches even, those those are great fruits. But in the South, they do struggle with heat and humidity. And so it is ideal for those types of tree-bearing or fruit-bearing trees to spray them regularly. There are a few organic options, but really, folks, with the kind of intensity that we have with our humidity and, and disease potential, uh, really, chemistry is the w- only way to produce spotless fruit. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, fruits that have spots are worthless. That's, that's not true at all. But uh, if you do want a fresh fruit, a fresh apple, fresh pe- peach, fresh pear, that doesn't have a lot of spots, then you've got to stay on this regimen of spraying until you harvest. But with figs, it is a no-brainer. It is easier, much easier. So if you want to get into um, producing your own fruits, but you don't want to put a lot into it, a lot of energy and effort, then you may start with something like figs. I'll go ahead and list my top three, one of which we're going to uh, talk about today. 
Figs is, is definitely an easy fruit to start with. Blueberries, maybe even easier than figs. You pretty much just plant them and they grow and produce, fertilize them well, uh, supplement with moisture in the spring when they're making their berries and early summer if extra moisture is required, but no disease, potent, no real disease problems. You can have a couple of issues with blueberries, but they're pretty much a no-brainer fruit. And today, we're going to talk about the third kind of no-brainer, easy-to-grow fruit to start out with in your garden, and that is blackberries and raspberries. Now, yes, blackberries and raspberries aren't producing much anymore right now. There may be a few raspberries, but really, these fruits um, have already done their, their producing, and you've already harvested them if you have blackberries or raspberries. Uh, most of the time, blackberries and raspberries are going to be harvested about 10 days before the end of June, give or take, 5 or 10 days before June is over, all the way through, uh, say, mid-July, plus or minus a couple of days. And so, it, is it timely to talk about blackberries and raspberries? I believe it is, and I'll tell you why. Not because you'll be harvesting them now. They've, you know, been done, uh, been long done with harvest for about a month. But because the way that they grow, blackberries and raspberries have a very unique growth pattern or growth cycle, something that we need to be aware of when we're producing blackberries and raspberries. And we're going to get into that more today, but I do want to take this time to just remind you, especially if you're just joining us for the first time here on New Southern Garden, that you can find every episode of uh, New Southern Garden online at NewSouthernGarden.com and also any of your favorite podcasting apps on your smart devices. You can join us here every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on your hometown radio, WRWH 93.9 FM. Uh, but if you sleep in, you know, sleeping in past 10 is not unheard of on a Saturday. <laughs> but or if you're on vacation, Maybe you're taking a late summer vacation uh, before school starts, which I think most schools have already started. Uh, but regardless, uh, you can check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. Listen to every episode we've ever had. And while you're there, you can also read some articles that I've written and my team, uh, some of the folks who uh, helped me out at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia. Uh, they're helping me get some good information straight from the nursery to New Southern Garden in written form. So you can read some articles and blogs at the website, NewSouthernGarden.com. Now, of course, if you have a question... If you need some guidance in your landscape, well, New Southern Garden dedicates one show a month and sometimes speckled out throughout the month uh, to answer your questions. And surprisingly, you know, we're pretty much halfway through, halfway through the month of August. I can't believe it already. Uh, but by the end of the month, the last Saturday of the month, that will be our Q&A for August. And so be sure you're already sending in questions at NewSouthernGarden.com on the Contact Us page, but you can also send us questions with pictures and videos on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And that's helpful because in this business, in this gardening business we're a part of, sometimes you need a picture. I've said this before as well, but you know, uh, a picture, I mean, a, a picture is worth more than a thousand trillion billion words in the garden because if you're trying to identify a particular pest well sometimes good pest and bad pest may look similar uh, sometimes uh, pests or even diseases you have certain uh, spots or patterns on the leaf that a disease will represent and we might need to see some of that 
So be sure to get social with us online at uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Just search for New Southern Garden and you should find our page right there. So gang, again, today we're going to talk about raspberries and blackberries. Now, uh, well, really, before we get into that, I, I do want to make a few words, a few comments, not really a gardening rant. I know sometimes I go on gardening rants and just not really, you know, not to be hateful about things or be angry about things, but just things that sort of irk me a bit. Uh, but this isn't really a rant. This is more of a, oh, what's the word? I don't know. A sad thing. I think that uh, gardening in America is is resurging a bit, but for a while, and uh, maybe it's sort of continuing in, in some areas, but it seems like uh, we Americans have become very impatient. It, some of the best gardening books and ideas and, and photographs are actually coming from Europe, particularly Great Britain. They're big into gardening over there. I guess they always have been. Uh, but, you know, Americans, when, when our land was settled, we, we were really looking for glamour and glitz. We were looking for productivity, uh, things that made sense, you know, a lot of vegetables and, and fruit production and things. Um, but now that we have smaller tracts of land, some folks are buying what we might call a, a postage stamp sized landscape. You know, we have smaller tracts of land. We don't have as much space to plant and grow things, but it does seem like we're sort of impatient, right? I mean, we live in the age of McDonald's. Get what you want and get it now. Uh, or, well, Burger King actually is, what is it? Uh, have it your way. Have it your way. And we can get food through a window in the matter of seconds or have it delivered via our phones with the Grubhubs and the uh, Uber Eats or however DoorDash, they deliver it to your house. And so we've sort of become impatient, I believe. And I think this, this impatience spills over into the gardening world, into our landscapes. Of course, working at a plant nursery, Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week, uh, we, get, we, we talk with a lot of clients, a lot of customers. And we want the biggest tree that we can afford uh, without the price, you know, uh, in, in the gardening world, gang, it, there's time. There is time. You have to think about time. Time is a very important factor. Your garden is not just going to spontaneously grow into what that magazine looks like. I'll give you another example. Uh, there's an individual who, who brought in some, um, some cuttings from a plant that wasn't looking very well. And it might have had a little touch of disease, but we gave him a uh, product that will help to control that. But I think part of it was the fact that it's been dry. And the plant looked wilted, which this particular plant, I'm not going to mention it to give away any information for anyone who might be listening, but uh, this particular plant does suffer from drought conditions. It's a native plant, but it's still, it suffers from imported diseases and drought conditions. And after the treatment was applied a week later, just a week later, I get a phone call saying, this is not looking better. What's going on? And the reality is, is that when you have a plant that's under drought stress this time of year, late, well, we'll call it late summer just to be consistent, but uh, late in the summer, and you also have probably a touch of disease. We've got to give the plant time to recover. You see, whenever we have a disease issue, 
we can only slow down what is already there. Nothing is going to reverse, right? So anything that looks sad and diseased is still going to look sad and diseased until those leaves drop and the plant goes dormant over winter and new leaves come out in the spring. And so we've got to be patient. We've got to wait. We can help the plant along with certain pesticides or or fertilizers, whether they be organic or chemical, just like going to the doctor and getting a chemical prescription to uh, help cure some problem in your body. We have the same similar uh, pharmaceuticals, if you will, for plants. And so the other thing that we, we, we can buy these products, we can give the plant water, we can give it, we've got to give it time. We've got to be patient. And whenever a problem comes into the landscape, like this particular example, well, we've really got to realize this is late summer. Those leaves are essentially geriatric. They're old leaves. They've been around for months now. And they're not meant to be on the tree forever. It is a deciduous plant, so they drop their leaves. As a matter of fact, every plant will drop its leaves. It just happens at different times of its life. Even the evergreen trees and uh, shrubs will drop leaves uh, from year to year. But the reality is we've just got to wait. We've got to be patient. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the gardening influence in America is sort of diminished. Here's a very good example. Here's a very good example of... Uh, gardening becoming less and less important to us. Think about that television network, HGTV. Back when it first started, it was called the Home and Garden Television. Well, when you turn on HGTV now, which I don't do much, uh, but what is there? There's a lot of home and not very much garden. You know, they used to have some great gardening programs when it first came out, and some well-known people were on there at the time, and the gardening just got replaced with more home, less garden, more home. There's not really many great uh, gardening television programs on. There's a few. Uh, you can find folks who are doing their own thing on YouTube. You can find plenty of folks who are out in their landscape doing their thing, showing people what to do, how to do. Those are great. Those are cool. But it's like uh, society as a whole here in America, we've sort of just... Uh, backed off on the gardening influence. We still have some gardening magazines. I would say not nearly as many as we should or as many as we used to have. But the reality is, is it seems like America, we need to sort of turn around and go back to our roots. No pun intended. Go back to our roots because our ancestors, our forefathers, they grew because they had to grow. And we may get to a point where we have to grow, but now we can grow things to just enjoy. To just enjoy, live life, grow a garden, sit back in the garden, and enjoy the evening, enjoy the mornings in our gardens. It'd be great. Well, gang, when we get back, more about raspberries and blackberries for your landscape. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our 
listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are sort of literally jumping into the briar patch. That's right. We are talking about briars, not necessarily because they're weeds, but because this particular briar produces delicious fruits that are simple to grow, very easy. Of course, I'm talking about blackberries. Now, blackberries are native to North America. They grow wild in our woods, along ditches, roadsides. Probably somewhere on your property, you've got blackberries, whether you know it or not. Now, they may not be quite producing age yet, uh, but regardless, blackberries are very tasty. They love our climate because they're from here. They're very familiar with it. They've been here for as, well, I guess as long as plants have been on this continent. But because they're from here, they, they really don't suffer from any major uh, diseases, major troubles. There are a few things that have been introduced as far as diseases go that we may be concerned with, and we'll talk about that later. But we are talking both. We're going to group blackberries and raspberries together, particularly because they are both known as brambles. Brambles, I'm not exactly sure if this is the reason why, but the way I remember it is because they are blackberries ramble. They move. They do have underground stems that we call rhizomes, and they can have above-ground stems called stolons if they get laid over and start a new plant uh, at the tip of that laid-over branch. You've got this rambling effect. Now, just to give you a little bit of uh, background with me and blackberries, I'm sort of fighting some wild blackberries because they do have those nasty thorns that curve downwards like a rose and they get stuck all over you. Well, we've got a big patch uh, uh, around one of our pastures that I just haven't controlled yet. I've gotten some of them under control, but unfortunately, I didn't jump on them soon enough uh, and now they've increased in size, so I've got to control that. But you see how vigorous, they're, even though it's a weed where it is, those Black, that blackberry patch is quite vigorous. With all that being said, the fruits themselves, blackberries, raspberries, are one of the most popular fruits to grow and to eat. And again, very easy for the home gardener uh, to successfully produce, if you will. Now, the interesting thing is that blackberries and raspberries traditionally uh, sort of fall over and touch the ground. And that's part of how they get their name, ram uh, Bramble. Uh, but they do come with erect stems, which go up into the air rather than trailing, uh, but there also are those trailing types. If you have the erect types of blackberries and raspberries, you won't need a trellis, but it, it may be helpful for the first few years in establishing them. But with the trailing types of brambles, you definitely would want a trellis to keep them up off of the ground, uh, making sure that they don't get mowed over like I'm going to do to some of these wild ones that I don't need, uh, but also to give them some support so they're not breaking. And then, uh, well, well, of course, you don't want the fruits to lay on the ground because they'll get splashed by soil, and it'll be an easy access for pests like ants 
and maybe squirrels, which a squirrel is going to eat it anyways. But uh, depending on the variety you choose, you do need to find out if it's an erect type uh, or a trailing type. There are a few varieties that are called semi-erect, which means they sort of stand up on their own, but they also uh, will sort of fall over and trail. Now, there are many varieties that do well in Georgia. We're going to talk about a few blackberries that I would recommend to you. But when it comes to raspberries, there's only a handful that do so well in Georgia. I'll go ahead and mention there's one called Dorman Red, Dorman Red, and it's really proven itself to be successful in all parts of the state. But uh, if you are a little more further north, which we are here in northeast Georgia, we can expand our boundaries. There's one called Heritage, which is a very beautiful, reliable, actually, uh, up in north Georgia. If anybody's producing them commercially, most likely they are growing the Heritage variety. It has performed very well in our part of the state. So, again, let's talk about how these... um, blackberries and raspberries work. Uh, When you're selecting your plants, you need to know a little bit about your soil first. All right, so generally, all the varieties of blackberries and raspberries are going to appreciate certain soil types uh, and sunlight requirements. Even Even though the brambles can grow under shade, the plant grows fine, it looks beautiful, What's going to happen is it's probably not going to get enough sunlight in shady conditions to really produce a heavy set. And if you're growing your precious blackberries and raspberries to produce them, then you do want to place it in as much sun as possible, at least six to eight hours. They don't mind it in the sun. As a matter of fact, the wild ones will grow about anywhere, shade to sun. But the ones in the sun always have a better blossom set. And, of course, a better fruit set that you can harvest. Now, we're lucky because brambles can tolerate a variety of soils, but they do like loamy soils. Now, loamy soils is going to be equal parts of sand, silt, and clay, but who has time to figure that out? If you've got a loamy sand, a sandy loam, or clay loam soils, that would be ideal. But if if you have a clay-based soil, like we do here in the Piedmont, generally speaking, you can enrich that soil with some organic matter and humus and mulch that site well after you've planted, always maintaining a good bit of manure or compost or mulch on the top, and you will find that your precious little uh, underground bramble stems will actually grow in that organic matter layer, and year after year, you're just improving by adding that organic matter to that soil. Now, you do want to make sure when you're planting your raspberries and blackberries that you don't plant them in a low spot or a spot, a site that collects a lot of water. Uh, if, if, if water stands in a certain site after a heavy rain for more than 24 hours, I wouldn't consider putting the uh, uh, plants there. Now, you also, we're going to recommend, like we did last week for figs, go ahead, take a soil sample of the site that you'd like to grow your brambles in, and send it to your county extension office where they'll send it off to the university, and they will test your soil for you, telling you what you need in order to grow raspberries or blackberries. Just be sure that when you submit, that you make a note on the form or the sample bag uh, that you are growing one of those two plants or both. Now, we already mentioned a little bit about uh, the trailing 
varieties. And the trailing varieties require, definitely require a trellis. They definitely require a trellis, but it doesn't have to be very complicated. It's just a matter of having two posts and a few strands of wire. When we do this, we're trying to uh, create a trellis that the um, raspberries or blackberries, we can attach them to the wire as they climb into the sky, uh, and every time it passes one of your wires, then you'll clip it uh, to that wire, and that will keep it from falling off on the ground. There's a few reasons why I would recommend to trellis pretty much any of your brambles, and those reasons include, number one, we do want to make sure that the plant is not falling over onto the ground, where it may be subjected to mowing over, being damaged by foot traffic, uh, when those fruits are on the ground, the fruits themselves can go bad quickly, being splashed by uh, water and soil, a mixture of that during heavy rains. And of course, I already mentioned about ants and other insects that may have easy access to those berries. Keeping them in the air will keep them dry, uh, will keep them disease, less, <laughs> less prone to disease. I won't say disease-free. Uh, but another reason, of course, is structure and, and support, uh, particularly those trailing types. They're going to fall over and touch the ground. And when they touch the ground, the plant will start to generate new plants. And by the time a few years have passed, your one plant has become a dense thicket. And if they have thorns on them, you're not going to be able to access. You're not going to be able to access the berries, and many of those will go to waste because they're on the inside of this big, dense thicket. So keeping them on a flat plane against a trellis, you can pick your fruits from both sides, and when you have to do some pruning, which you will, and we'll talk about that later, when you have to do pruning, it'll be a lot easier and more simple and less disastrous for your arms uh, because you will get pricked by those, um, by those thorns. Now, the, the last reason, of course, I would say is, is longevity. Longevity just all around. Making sure your plants are upright, healthy, uh, not making a dense thicket that you get disturbed by it and decide to get it out of there, it can look good as well. It will look good when it's trained on a trellis. So when we get back from this quick break, we're going to talk about pruning and actually how this trellis uh, could look uh, with just a few uh, posts and some wire. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, I hate to bramble on, but today we are talking about blackberries and raspberries, which are grouped into a, uh, a type of plant we call brambles. And I have literally brambled on, rambled on, because we're already halfway through the show and I've got so much to tell you. So before we left for the uh, break, we were talking about making sure we trellis our brambles, whether it be raspberries or blackberries, because they tend to crawl along the ground, especially the trailing types, and that's really no way to produce your precious blackberry and raspberry fruits. So the very first thing we want to uh, think about 
is how a trellis could look. And there's a very simple way you can do this. You can have two posts, something sturdy, maybe a four by four, that is set, oh, about seven feet across or so, or yeah, seven feet across, eight feet across, could be up to 10 feet if, if you can get them that far. As a matter of fact, we're gonna talk in a minute that some of these plants can become 100 foot in length if you give them enough time. So be sure that if you are doing a long run of blackberries or raspberries, you go eight to 10 feet with your posts and making sure that you keep strong supports in the middle. So once you've gotten these posts set about eight to 10 feet apart, then you can run a wire across the top. The top could be about five feet tall, okay? A post that are five feet tall, run a wire across the top of that, and then do two more strands of wire every 18 inches below the ground, uh, every 18 inches below the top wire. So you've got two posts set about 10 feet apart, average, and you've got them planted about five foot tall. And the reason I like five foot tall is because that's a good picking height, right? If you made them seven foot tall, it'd be harder to collect them uh, as those plants grow to the top of that seven foot runner. Then of course, you've got the strand across the top and two more strands below it, about 18 inches, each one below the other, about 18 inches. Now that is a pretty basic, easy way to do it. You can also try to grow some raspberries and blackberries in, the, in pots, containers, uh, but you still wanna keep them upright. You could prop them up against a wall. Maybe it's your garage wall or uh, the back porch wall or wherever you get the most sun. But in a pot, blackberries and raspberries, they'll produce, but you won't see the kind of abundancy you would if it was allowed to grow in the ground. Now, once you have your, your plants uh, on these trellises, as they grow, you're going to want to clip them to those wires. And you can use something simple like uh, strips of nylon pantyhose. I don't know if you can find pantyhose anymore. I know I've got a, we've got a bunch that we took uh, out of my, <laughs> my grandmother's boudoir out of her uh, dresser drawer when she passed away. And I said, let's put these to good use. We can cut them into rings, just make cuts up the legs of nylon pantyhose. They're stretchy, they're lightweight, and because they're stretchy, uh, they allow the plant to expand. So you don't have to reset that uh, nylon uh, string or twine, whatever we're going to call it, pantyhose. You don't have to reset that as the plant grows. Never use metal wire to hold plants to a trellis. Because as the plant grows, it's going to get thicker, the branches are going to get stronger, right? And they're going to get the, well, the wire, if you use wire, is going to wrap around that branch as it grows real tight and girdle the branch. It's essentially going to uh, kill anything above the wire back and anything below it will remain alive. But girdling is never a good thing. We don't want that to happen to our precious blackberry or raspberry branches. So use something that is stretchy, but strong. Twine is acceptable. It gives a little bit, but that may need to be reset. I've just found that nylon pantyhose does the job and you don't have to worry about it. All right. So as the plant grows, you're attaching it to your trellis and try to keep it into, uh, create the branches in a fan shape, just like a, a fan from Japan. You know, we used to have those grown up as kids as souvenirs and things from birthday parties. 
just create a fan pattern, keeping some branches going outwards and then inwards till you get to the center of the plant. That keeps air distribution uh, free to, to move around the plant so leaves don't stay wet, fruits don't stay wet, because in the south when we do have uh, high humidity, we have dews in the morning, when we have moisture around fruits and leaves, we do have potential disease problems. Now, the whole thing that I want to get to uh, from earlier today, I mentioned that blackberries and raspberries, they grow in a certain way. They have a certain growth pattern. And what we call them are sort of um, uh, biennial in a way. They have a biennial life cycle. If you recall, the word biennial means every other year or so. Some some we've talked about biennials in the sense of perennial plants, you know, flowering perennials that are biennial. Now, those particular plants, of course, they um, they they're grown from a seed one year and they produce foliage that first year, and then the second year they bloom. Okay, so these plants are going to outlive true perennial flowers, true true per, uh, sorry, true biennial flowers. But the way that they grow is the first year that a shoot comes out, that is what we're going to call the primocane. And the primocane is simply a, um, uh, a branch that produces foliage. That's all it does the very first year. But then when the second year comes along, that branch that just grew foliage becomes what we call a floricane, and it starts to flower. And then, of course, those flowers by end of June, beginning of July, are harvested fruits. And so it's a very unique process that these brambles go through. Again, the first year that a branch grows, it's called a primocane, and all it does is produce foliage. It's going to set its flowers by the end of that first summer, and then those buds are going to come out Pretty early in the year, the flower buds will emerge and open with those beautiful white white to pinkish petals. And then, of course, that flower will mature into a fruit by summer. So this is very important to know if you want to grow blackberries or raspberries. Because if you do any pruning to a primocane, you are removing the buds that will bloom next year. So the main pruning that we want to do with blackberries and raspberries is to prune out uh, the branches that have died. Because generally, I haven't noticed this every time, but generally, after the primocane turns into a floricane and blooms, and you harvest those fruits, usually that cane dies back. So you can prune out those old floricanes that have already produced berries. You can prune anything out that is dead or anything that has already blossomed and produced fruit. But as soon as you do that, guess what the plant's going to do? It's going to send out another shoot that will be a floricane that year and then bloom as a, sorry, be a primocane that year and then bloom as a floricane the next year. So see, this sort of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of today's program when I mentioned that we're sort of impatient. You know, we just can't wait. Well, this is one example where if you have blackberries or raspberries that aren't blooming this year or, or any particular year, just know that the next year those branches should be a floricane, or we can call it a floricane, because it's going to produce its flowers and berries 
in the following year after it has grown with leaves and branches. So that is going to be something you really have to remember because you don't want to prune, you do not want to prune your blackberries or raspberries in the late winter or really any time after, um, golly, September 1st. I wouldn't do any pruning after September 1st or maybe even further up than that. Like if you're going to prune blackberries or raspberries, do it now. This is probably the latest you want to wait because if you do any pruning uh, after summer growth is done, then you're reducing the amount of flowers and then the amount of berries that you'll have. So always do your pruning on blackberries and raspberries um, after they've harv- after you've harvested, which again would be about the middle of July or so. Most of the time, you're just going to be pruning back dead material, but there is one type of pruning that I want to mention. If you're planting new blackberries or new raspberries and you're getting them started on the trellis, allow that plant to send up a shoot to the top of the trellis. It may take a couple of years. If it's a strong, healthy, vigorous plant, it may only take one. But if you uh, will, once it's at the top of your trellis, clip the tip. Because when you clip the tip, that will encourage side shoots to grow. And remember, the more canes you have, the more blossoms and the more fruits you'll have. So we've got to be sure that we have more than one cane, right? We've got to be sure we have more than one branch. Ideally, you would have that fan-shaped with uh, four to five strong branches splayed out, spread out in a fan shape along the trellis. And then you would have sub-branches coming off of each one of those main four or five fan-shaped branches. Now, with that in mind, that's going to create density and also the, the uh, heavy fruiting that you all and I would love to have. Let's see. The last thing I want to mention about uh, the way these plants grow is that uh, it is possible that by second year, plants could have a total cane length of 20 to 50 feet um, or more uh, with it, if they are very vigorous. Now, what that would mean is not that this plant is going to stretch out 20 or 50 feet, but that if you measured the length of all the canes there, one plant by second year, if it's quite vigorous, could have uh, 20 to 50 feet of cane length. Now, I, I don't go out there in the nursery and, and measure the lengths of these canes, but just know that uh, blackberries and raspberries are quick to produce, uh, usually heavy producers, uh, but they are quite vigorous. Now, if you find a very exceptionally vigorous plant, you may find that that plant could support up to 100 feet of canes. And again, that's not stretching from the root all the way out 100 feet. It is the length of all the canes totaled together. If you have a plant, maybe you already have a blackberry or raspberry, and you're finding that it has low vigor, if it has low vigor, uh, vigor you should really prune it to retain uh, fewer canes. Sometimes less vigorous plants can't support the number of canes that are there, and we may have to reduce the number of canes, and that's okay because over time, with proper nutrition and moisture and time, that patience thing comes in, you should be able to regain the vigor of the plant. Unless, of course, it might have been suffering from some kind of uh, disease or whatnot. Now, let's talk about harvesting. Even though harvesting for blackberries and raspberries are done for the year, uh, it seems timely to talk about this because you don't need to be pruning much uh, beyond this point on your blackberries. Uh, 
But because we've already harvested, let me just remind you what we're going to look for when it comes to harvesting ripe berries. The berries of blackberries and raspberries are going to be ripe and at their peak of flavor when they lose this high glossy shine and turn slightly dull. So just be looking, be on the lookout for the shiny change. Going to go from shiny to dull and you'll know that they are ripe. Now, of course, uh, harvesting is best when the berries are juiciest, which of course might be during the late morning hours after the dew has dried. We do want to make sure that the dew has dried off of them because we don't want to store them with a lot of excess moisture. But we do want to make sure, we do want to make sure that we're uh, harvesting them late morning when they're full of juice, full of moisture. And once they're removed from the mother, that juice should remain until it starts drying out and, and getting you know, sad. Okay, gang. Well, listen, when we get back, we've just got a few more moments, but we're going to finish our discussion on blackberries and raspberries, the brambles. Hopefully I won't bramble on too long, but when we get back, we'll talk briefly about fertilizing and then some potential issues that you may have. Hang on tight, gang. We'll be right back with more. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we've just got a little more time here on today's program, so I'm going to try to speed this along and give you as many good tips about growing blackberries and raspberries as I possibly can. We were just finishing our discussion on their growth cycle, that blackberries uh, and raspberries produce a, a primocane in the first year, which only produces leaves. And then the second year, that primocane becomes a floricane, and it starts to produce flowers and then berries. But now we want to talk a little bit about how to, how do we feed these babies? Because with fruits, it's very important, just like figs last week, it's very important to make sure that your fruits have as much nutrition as possible. Because if they are deficient in something, then that means their growth will not be maximized. So we want to make sure with blackberries and raspberries of any kind, really, that we fertilize them, uh, feed them at least twice a year in most situations we do you could use something like a 10 10 10 but be sure that you use a product that contains micronutrients micronutrients are uh, uh, nutrients that are used in small amounts they're essential the plant needs them but they don't need much of them now of course at Lanier Nursery and Gardens and Flyer Branch where you can find me throughout the week we've got probably one of the best uh, fertilizers it's, it's a uh, 
commercially sold, so you can't necessarily buy it in the stores except from us. Uh, but we do have a 1268, which is uh, well balanced, has micronutrients, and it lasts for 90 days. So really, you could probably fertilize one time with this product, whereas with 101010, it lasts maybe two weeks or less. So you have to frequently use that product over and over. But uh, regardless, that Floricam that we use at the nursery, we use it on almost anything. It's general purpose, and you can use it uh, anywhere in your landscape. But other than that, just make sure that you scatter the fertilizer uh, evenly over a circle two feet in diameter centered on the plant. So a circle that is two feet, that would be uh, one foot away from the center on either direction, and uh, that helps to get it close enough to the root system uh, so that they can enjoy all the goodness that you're giving them. Now, before we get into some of the issues that we may come across, I do want to mention a few varieties. Uh, blackberries, there have been some great improvements over the past few decades with blackberries. Remember, blackberries are wild plants. Uh, well, every plant is wild in some sense, right, until we tame it. But some of the tamed varieties, if you will, are upright. Like we've talked about, they're erect. They stand up tall so you don't have to trellis as much. But also many of them are thornless. And a, uh, I'm not exactly sure who bred this series, but there is a series of Native American um, um, blackberries, things like Apache, Arapaho, um, Natchez, Navajo, uh, Shawnee. There's several of those, and most all of those are erect, and most of those are thornless as well. Usually, you're going to find success with those that Native American series. It's got Native American names, and so you'll be able to uh, identify that pretty quickly. I will say that uh, an individual who operates a, uh, a pick-your-own-fruit farm not too far uh, down the street in Jackson County, they she has test-tasted hers with her clients, people who come in and pick their own fruits. She'll ask them to tell her which ones taste the best. And I remember one year she told me that one called Triple Crown, which we've sold at Lanier Nursery and Gardens before, uh, it's well-known for flavor, uh, productivity, and vigor disease-resistant, and they do have large berries. Now, it's not quite erect. It doesn't stand up tall. It does sort of sag over, so it definitely needs trellising. Uh, but regardless, you will probably enjoy Triple Crown as well. Now, of course, with raspberries, we've already mentioned the uh, Dorman Red and Heritage are probably a couple of the best for our area. Caroline performed well at our nursery, as well as one called Fall Gold, and it is a golden raspberry. Very beautiful. So those are just some of the varieties. You can always check out more information online, but you can also come down to the nursery if you want to take a look. Right now, we're not fully stocked with them, uh, but hopefully later this fall and definitely next spring. Now, I do want to mention a few disease potentials that we may have. Uh, there, unfortunately, there is a virus. There is virus, uh, multiple viruses that can attack plants. Now, if you buy plants that are healthy, bright green foliage, uh, don't seem to be too uh, disturbed, then you, you will probably have a healthy plant. But it's very possible that a virus could come in on, a, on an insect like a thrip. A virus could come in on an aphid, which, you know, uh, these plants are susceptible to certain insects as well. But viruses pretty much will shut the plant down from production and 
it will only spread to your other blackberries and raspberries. So be sure if you do find something that doesn't seem to be recovering, um, you know, other diseases like fungus and bacteria we can control. But when it comes to a virus, we've got to get the plant out and dispose of it, burn it, remove as much of the root system as possible, burn those roots, get it out of your life and out of your garden. Uh, but there are some other things like anthracnose. Anthracnose, it affects a lot of plants. Anthracnose uh, is a disease that uh, first starts to look like spots, uh, purplish small spots on the new canes. Now, as that disease progresses, the spots get larger. They become sort of grayish in the center with purplish raised, uh, slightly raised edges. Uh, cracking on the bark is also pretty common with anthracnose, but badly infected canes, they may wilt and die. Uh, infections uh, in the berry clusters will also cause, cause withered and dry berries. If you catch anthracnose soon enough, try to prune the plant back, remove any part of the plant that seems diseased, and then apply some fungicides for a while, you may find some relief. But don't wait too late. Now, rust, orange rust in particular, is a problem on... Um, blackberries and raspberries and i've seen them i've seen orange rust actually on wild populations so keep in mind that some of these diseases can be carried in from the edge of your property or the backwoods or even from further down the street so if you have any wild berries that are just thorny and really not the ones you want to grow you may consider removing those eradicating those wild weedy types because they are a source to fester the pestilence, that is such a problem. But orange rust, uh, the leaves on the infected canes, they turn yellow soon after they unfold in the spring. So it's one that's pretty early. The undersides of the leaves are going to quickly really become covered with these orange pustules. And it's pretty distinctive, bright orange. Then in the late summer, the plants may appear to grow out of the disease. But guess what? Infected canes tend to be spindly and bear poorly. We definitely have to remove infected plants, including the roots, as soon as that disease is detected because that one will spread from one plant to another. And that's why I think it's so essential to look out uh, your window, look at the garden's edge, and see what is growing. If you have something that is growing along the edges, try to eradicate those wild plants because they are only going to be a potential source for disease for the blessed, uh, beloved plants that you've just installed into your landscape. Now, with insects, you know, Japanese beetles are going to be a problem. They feed on the wild plants. They'll feed on the plants here uh, that are in your garden either way. But regardless, they're going to be a problem. You may find that you have a number of insects. Be on the lookout for those. And then use a either organic insecticide or one that is approved for consumption. Uh, and be sure to follow those directions specifically because we want to produce those beautiful, tasty raspberries and blackberries that I hope we've helped you out with today. Well, for New Southern Garden Gang, my name is Nathan Wilson, and I hope that you stay well, grow well, and have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's News Southern Garden Show.